Book Four, Chapter Ten of Last Days of Pompeii. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ben Wilford. Last Days of Pompeii by Edward G. Bulward Lytton. Book Four, Chapter Ten. Chapter Ten. What becomes of Nydia in the house of Arbaces? The Egyptian feels compassion for Glaucus. Compassion is often a very useless visitor to the guilty. It will be remembered that, at the command of Arbaces, Nadia followed the Egyptian to his home, and conversing there with her, he learned from the confession of her despair and remorse that her hand, and not Julius, had administered to Glaucus the fatal potion. At another time, the Egyptian might have conceived a philosophical interest in sounding the depths and origin of the strange and absorbing passion which, in blindness and in slavery, this singular girl had dared to cherish, but at present he spared no thought from himself. As, after her confession, the poor Nadia threw herself on her knees before him, and besought him to restore the health and save the life of Glaucus for in her youth and ignorance she imagined the dark magician all-powerful to effect both. Arbaces, with unheeding ears, was noting only the new expediency of detaining Nadia a prisoner until the trial and fate of Glaucus were decided. For if, when he judged her merely the accomplice of Julia in obtaining the philtre, he had felt it was dangerous to the full success of his vengeance to allow her to be at large, to appear, perhaps, as a witness, to avow the manner in which the sense of Glaucus had been darkened, and thus win indulgence to the crime of which he was accused. How much more was she likely to volunteer her testimony when she herself had administered the drought, and inspired by love, would be only anxious at any expense of shame to retrieve her error and preserve her beloved. Besides, how unworthy of the rank and repute of Arbaces to be implicated in the disgrace of pandering to the passion of Julia, and assisting in the unholy rites of the saga of Vesuvius, nothing less, indeed, than his desire to induce Glaucus to own the murder of Apachides, as a policy evidently the best both of for his own permanent safety and his successful suit with the own, could ever have led him to contemplate the confession of Julia. As for Nadia, who was necessarily cut off by her blindness from much of the knowledge of active life, and who, a slave and a stranger, was naturally ignorant of the perils of the Roman law, she thought rather of the illness and delirium of her Athenians than the crime of which she had vaguely heard him accused or the chances of the impending trial. Poor wretch that she was, whom none addressed, none cared for, what did she know of the Senate and the Senates, the hazard of the law, the ferocity of the people, the arena and the lion's den? She was accustomed only to associate with the thought of Glaucus everything that was prosperous and lofty. She could not imagine that any peril, save from the madness of her love, could menace that sacred head. He seemed to her set apart for the blessing of life. She only had disturbed the current of his felicity. She knew not, she dreamed not that the stream, once so bright, was dashing on to darkness and to death. It was therefore to restore the brain that she had marred, 
to save the life that she had endangered that she implored the assistance of the great egyptian daughter said arbaces waking from his reverie thou must rest here it is not meet for thee to wander along the streets and be spurned from the threshold by the rude feet of slaves i have compassion on thy soft crime i will do all to remedy it wait here patiently for some days and glaucus shall be restored so saying and without waiting for her reply he hastened from the room drew the bolt across the door and consigned the care and wants of his prisoner to the slave who had the charge of that part of the mansion alone then and musingly he waited the morning light and with it repaired as we have seen to possess himself of the person of eon his primary object with respect to the unfortunate neapolitan was that which he had really stated to claudius viz to prevent her interesting herself actively in the trial of glaucus and also to guard against her accusing him which she would doubtless have done of his former act of perfidy and violence towards her his ward denouncing his causes for vengeance against glaucus unveiling the hypocrisy of his character and casting any doubt upon his ferocity in the charge which he had made against the athenian not till he had encountered her that morning not till he had heard her loud denunciations was he aware that he had also another danger to apprehend in her suspicion of his crime he hugged himself now at the thought that these ends were effected that one at once the object of his passion and his fear was in his power he believed more than ever the flattering promises of the stars and when he sought eon in that chamber in the inmost recesses of his mysterious mansion to which he had consigned her when he found her overpowered by blow upon blow and passing from fit to fit from violence to torpor in all the alienations of hysterical disease he thought more of the loveliness which no frenzy could distort than of the woe which he had brought upon her in that sanguine vanity common to men who through life have been invariably successful whether in fortune or love he flattered himself that when glaucus had perished when his name was solemnly blackened by the award of illegal judgment his title to her love forever forfeited by condemnation to death for the murder of her own brother her affection would be changed to horror and that his tenderness and his passion assisted by all the arts with which he well knew how to dazzle women's imagination might elect him to that throne in her heart from which his rival would be so awfully expelled this was his hope but should it fail his unholy and fervid passion whispered at the worst now she is in my power yet withal he felt that uneasiness and apprehension which attended upon the chance of detection even when the criminal is insensible to the voice of conscience that vague terror of the consequences of crime which is often mistaken for remorse at the crime itself the buoyant air of campania weighed heavily upon his breast he longed to hurry from a scene where danger might not sleep eternally with the dead and having his own now in his possession he secretly resolved as soon as he had witnessed the last agony of his rival to transport his wealth and her the costly of treasure of all to some distant shore yes said he striding to and fro his solitary chamber yes the law that gave me the person of my ward gives me the possession of my bride far across the broad main will we sweep on our search 
after novel luxuries and inexperienced pleasures cheered by my stars supported by the omens of my soul we will penetrate to those vast and glorious worlds which my wisdom tells me lie yet untracked in the recesses of the circling sea there may this heart possessed of love grow once more alive to ambition there amongst nations uncrushed by the roman yoke and to whose ear the name of rome has not yet been waffled i may found an empire and transplant my ancestral creed renewing the ashes of the dead theban rule continuing in yet grander shores the dynasty of my crowned fathers and waking in the noble heart of eon the grateful consciousness that she shares the lot of one who far from the age rottenness of this slavish civilization restores the primal elements of greatness and unites in one mighty soul the attributes of the prophet and the king from this exultant soliloquy arbacus was awakened to attend the trial of the athenian the worn and pallid cheek of his victim touched him less than the firmness of his nerves and the dauntlessness of his brow for arbacus was one who had little pity for what was unfortunate but a strong sympathy for what was bold the congenialities that bind us to others ever assimilate to the qualities of our own nature the hero weeps less at the reverses of his enemy than at the fortitude with which he bears them all of us are human and arbacus criminal as he was had his share of our common feelings and our mother clay had he but obtained from glaucus the written confession of his crime which would better than even the judgment of others have lost him with eon and removed from arbacus the chance of future detection the egyptian would have strained every nerve to save his rival even now his hatred was over his desire of revenge was slack he crushed his prey not in enmity but as an obstacle in his path yet was he not the less resolved the less crafty and persevering in the course he pursued for the destruction of one whose doom was to become necessary through the attainment of his object and while with apparent reluctance and compassion he gave against glaucus the evidence which condemned him he secretly and through the medium of the priesthood fomented that popular indignation which made an effectual obstacle to the pity of the senate he had sought julia he had detailed to her the confession of nadia he had easily therefore lulled any scruple of conscience which might have led her to extenuate the offence of glaucus by avowing her share in his frenzy and the more readily for her vain heart had loved the fame and the prosperity of glaucus not glaucus himself she felt no affection for a disgraced man nay she almost rejoiced in the disgrace that humbled the hated eon if glaucus could not be her slave neither could he be the adorer of her rival this was sufficient consolation for any regret at his fate volatile and fickle she began again to be moved by the sudden and earnest suit of clodius and was not willing to hazard the loss of an alliance with that base but high-born noble by any public exposure of her past weakness and immodest passion for another all things then smiled upon arbaces all things frowned upon the Athenian. End of Book 4, Chapter 10 Recording by Ben Wilford of Jackson, Tennessee